Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food fact series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. I'll take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on all good podcast providers like Apple Podcasts and on YouTube and Spotify. I'll put all that information in the show notes. Before I introduce today's guest, I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure or prevent injuries or medical conditions and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today I am here with Pamela Cimenti, who lives and works in Toronto, Canada. Pam is a certified yoga and meditation instructor with the International Yoga Alliance, and she has co-founded the Mindfulness Group, which aims to improve health and well-being through mindfulness. We are going to discuss mindfulness and meditation today, including some practical tips on how to implement those in your daily life. I do hope this discussion brings you a sense of peace and calm in these very uncertain times. Pamela, you're a certified yoga and meditation instructor with the International Yoga Alliance. There are many overlaps between yoga and meditation, but for today's episode, I'd like to focus on meditation and mindfulness, both of which I think could be very valuable in the current climate where there's a lot of uncertainty because of the coronavirus epidemic and for some people there's fear. So before we start chatting about that though, I would like to hear a little bit more about you. So you live in Toronto in Canada. Have you always lived there? I have. I've always lived here in Toronto, Canada. I love it. Um, it's a wonderful city. It's so eclectic. Yes. Um, uh, it has a little bit of something for everybody, but not so overly populated. Um, I love how sovereign Canada is and proud to be a part of it. What are some of the things that you love about Toronto? What are some of the places you like to go and well, Toronto has some amazing restaurants and they have a lot of, um, you know, Toronto, you know, even on the outskirts, um, have a lot of nature trails and yeah. bike trails and it just feels so good to get out in nature, do tree trekking, you know, just getting the good in the outdoors, you know, skiing in the winter, you know, in the summer, the pools and a lot of outdoor stuff. Yeah. Um, so it has something for everybody, sports centers and just something for every, yeah. everybody. I think what I love about Canada on the, the one time I visited is there's just nature is part of everyday life. People are really into trail biking, um, trail running, whatever, you know, skiing. Um, and also when I, I went, when I was in Toronto, we went to a Blue Jays baseball game and that was the first or the only time I've ever been to a baseball game. So that was really fun. Yeah, they definitely have a whole, you know, sports is big here too with their basketball and yeah. um, and we won last year, which was so great, Go Raptors, which was so great. And baseball's really big, hockey's Hockey's also, huge, of course, huge. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really a lot of nightlife and entertainment or it can be really quiet and serene. It just depends what you're looking for, but it has yeah. something for everybody for sure. Pamela, what does a typical day look like for you? 
So these days it looks a bit different than it used to. (laughs) Maybe I'm sure for a lot of people. But for me, typically, it's waking up in the morning and having starting my day with my practice, which would be 15 minutes of meditation, um, followed by some um, breath work. I'm doing Wim Hof right now. You can YouTube Wim Hof. I am going to do a a Wim Hof course in about a month. It it was cancelled because of coronavirus. So then it's starting up again. Oh, that's interesting. It's game changing breath work, which is all part of obviously, you know, the whole part of the whole scope of yoga, which is breath work Mm. has like some of the most healing and energizing properties. It is absolutely life changing breath work. Um, So I have a full commitment to, to incorporating some breath work Mm -hmm. um, into my practice, whether it's Wim Hof or you do Nadi Shodna or what any different there's very there's a lot of different um breath techniques yes. that you can use and you can google them and they start from beginners and whatever and you can read on some of the benefits of breath work and it's amazing so I definitely do some of that and then I do some yoga 30 minutes of yoga um and then you know by that time the kids are up and making some breakfast and you know obviously we're home these days so it's laundry and I wish it was more <laughs> glamorous I, but it's it's laundry but really you know it's opportunity to really be with the kids and it yeah and everyone being in the same home right now I really take it as an opportunity for presence for awareness to see what comes up when I don't have control or I don't have a schedule or there's not such thing as a weekend or a weekday anymore. It all looks the same. Yeah. It's very unusual times at the moment. And just for people listening, Pamela's children are at home. I believe the schools in Toronto are still not open. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. They're not, they haven't been open since March. So we've been home quarantining and it has definitely um, opened my eyes to so many different aspects of my children. Like you live with people, but you don't realize, you know, how really to the depths of how they're doing in school because Mm. you're sitting now and helping them with their, um, even just getting online every day to show up at school school and just being around somebody 24 hours a day can bring up different emotions and um, thoughts and those types of things so I'm really taking it as an opportunity to learn grow evolve from it because the underlying issue there is not having control right yes so how old are your children I have two girls and they're 10 and 12 years old right so do you do any Um, mindfulness or breathwork techniques with them? We do. We have an evening practice that we do. Um, We definitely meditate for 15 minutes every night. We'll usually pray before that. And um, a gratitude list, you know, a gratitude list at nighttime is part of my practice. So Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the day. Um, um, They also have a gratitude journal uh, that they you know, write their gratitude list in. Um, and then, you know, maybe eight, five to eight yoga poses. Um, now, does this happen every night? No. Well, you know, it's, you are it's a human. <laughs> yes. It, it's, it's a hit and a miss. Yeah. It definitely is for me. Obviously this, ha- this routine happens every night for me and it, you know, it winds down my day. Um, but you know, again, it's something I do. They observe that they say, 
you know, that they want to also add to it. And I think the quality of my time, like I do a lot of things in the day, obviously, like their laundry or clean or help them with homework, all these things that parents do, right? Provide and support for them. But I think for me, devoting my practice Um, having a practice, showing them that I'm doing a practice, giving them the tools of mindfulness for themselves and them having a gratitude list or meditating, to me, is one of the most valuable things that I could possibly give them, which is back to themselves, which is knowing who they are, knowing that they have all their answers within, that nobody out here could know more about them than them you know, go out for help and support, but with them, that to me as a human and as a parent is the most fulfilling part for me, no matter how much homework I do. I think that's really interesting because a lot of children are not exposed to things like mindfulness in their daily life or even yoga. So your your girls are very lucky, I think, to be uh, not just exposed to it, but actually participating in that from a young age. It's usually something well, talking in my case, that you come to or learn as an adult. So they're lucky, I think. And that's why I'm working on my second book, The Language of of the Soul for Kids. So parents Ah. and children can start to incorporate a short practice, pick one of them from A to Z at nighttime that they can start incorporating. That way, when the parent's not there and they're having some trouble at school or maybe some confidence issues or some body image or whatever, they can lean on the practices. They understand what an affirmation is, let's say for them, or they can understand um, that they can go home and journal when there's no one to talk to Mm. because the parents aren't home yet, the power of that. So I'm putting that together because yeah, I think it's, I, I mean, I learned it late and I would love for them. And I see the power of it, learning it earlier on in life. These are life skills. They don't teach you this in school. No, they don't. No, they don't. So I think you're right, though. What's so good about skills like that is they are internal to the person. They're something that the, the, the person can use them to make themselves feel better. Definitely helps with anxiety and all of those emotional unease and just the, the natural things that emotions that kids can sometimes go yeah. through. Um, especially as they hit the teenage years, which your girls are about to hit, so they'll have some skills. Mm. (laughs) Um, I'd like to hear about what sort of led to where you are today. So I believe that you studied psychology at the University of Toronto and then you worked in the business world and then you founded the Mindfulness Group. So can you just give us a bit of a brief outline of how you got from university to where you are now? So I was enrolled at uh, the University of Toronto. A couple years in, I landed my dream job at Catholic Children's Aid. That's, I think you you may call them protective services for children. Mm-hmm. I think oh, that's right. what you yes. call it there. You're right. Um, and I started working there, thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed contributing, be a part, being a part of something, uh, a bigger purpose, a bigger calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I got married after that, and my husband was in the beauty industry, and he had opened up some places. And I always had this entrepreneurial spirit 
both my parents were entrepreneurs and I knew that there was an aspect of me that also wanted to kind of come out and, and, and it be expressed. So I tried to do both for a while, um, <clears throat> burning the candle on both ends. Yeah. Finally, I ended up stepping more into the business avenue and I stepped back from children's aid and from there, you know, ran a successful business for, you know, over 15 years um, where I got to really develop my interpersonal skills, mm-hmm. understand how to connect with people, older, younger, all different types of people. And I think, you know, and after that, you know, I went through a health challenge. Um, I, you know, stepped back from that and I took my yoga teacher training and then my uh, partner and I, Mariana, we, a fellow yogi, uh, opened up the mindfulness group. And basically the mindfulness group is we bring mindfulness practices to the workplace, uh, to families and children. And uh, we also work with individuals one-on-one, helping them through challenges, anxiety, emotional unease, overeating, helping them develop mm-hmm. a practice. Um, and now I'm, I'm an author. But there was a lot of in between, but I see it, all of it as small pieces. And now I'm seeing the bigger picture kind of come to life. I needed all of those stepping stones in order to get me into where I am now. Yes, I think to open something like um, a mindfulness group, you do need to have some life experience behind you so you can relate to all your, your clients. And what does that look like when you take it to a business? What kind of things would you do with the um, employees there? Well, I think it was, it's, you know, we tailor to everyone's needs, mm-hmm. but ge- and generally speaking, we would, we come into the, the, the company and we would do lunch and learn where we teach them breath technique. We teach them how to meditate. We teach them um, about the wisdom of their anxiety and what it's telling them. Um, as we implement a practice every single week, they come back with feedback after their practice and they start to notice shifts and changes in uh, their working relationships at, at, at work or at home or their stress levels mm-hmm. or their sense of connectedness. And so we're able to integrate this and companies really are, you know, this is something that a lot of companies are doing where, cause burnout is real yes. and they really want to take care of the well-being of their staff. And, you know, the number one cost for companies is healthcare. And part of that is in the number one medicine is, is um, anxiety medicine. And so this really helps, um, you know, uh, with anxiety, depression, emotional unease. Yeah, and so all these tools, and they can bring that home and to work. And so mm. it just creates a more harmonious uh, balance. And the company says, essentially, you matter. And we want to make sure that you're well, yeah, and we want to keep you here. For the, it really mm. is. It really so is. So what's some of the feedback then that you've had from companies that have participated in your program? Well, we definitely see that there's so much um, hunger for this. It's, it's almost like once you get started, you almost can't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you'll go away from it from a little, for a little bit, you know, digest it, but then coming back to it. And um, we've seen really great results and people wanting to have those one-on-ones and deepening their practice mm-hmm. or getting into a little bit more personal stuff. And um, it, mindfulness is a really important skill and tool to have especially during 
these times. Yeah, well, that's a good uh, point to talk about mindfulness. I'd, I'd be really interested if you could explain to the listeners and me the difference between mindfulness and meditation. I know they overlap, but but how are they how are they different? Mindfulness practice is you can be doing something like taking a walk or you could be cooking, or you could be doing something in solitude by yourself, or let's say taking a walk in nature. And what you're doing is just focusing on, you're aware of your thoughts, but you're not judging, Mm -hmm. complaining about them. You're not resisting them. You're not clinging to them. You're allowing them just to pass. You start to become aware of just allowing them to pass and you're allowing yourself a quiet space with meditation you're sitting with you obviously with yourself in a quiet space in solitude with the eyes closed your 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 posture is really key with meditation to start your legs are crossed which which cuts off the energy in the lower half and starts slowly bringing that energy upwards right we talk a lot about this in yoga upwards to open up the chakras with the eyes closed. And here we're also um, observing thoughts and creating space for awareness to breed, right? Mm -hmm. So one is, you know, you're doing an activity of some sort, you're still observant, you're one with what you're doing, not, you know, not judging it. The other one is you're, you're still, your eyes are closed, and you're, and you're observing and you're creating space in your body. And so with mindfulness, then, in terms of people in the workplace or people doing things in their daily life, it's something you can do anywhere and any time. Whereas meditation, it's more of a dedicated practice. You need to set aside some quiet time to do it. Perhaps you can give us some tips then on, or maybe a short exercise about mindfulness. What would you tell someone who wants to know how to be more mindful during their day? I think the number one thing I would say is develop some form of practice. Like in the language of the soul, we have 26 of them from A Mm -hmm. to Z. Do something in the day that requires some form of solitude, whether it's a journal entry in the morning, you know, or throughout the day or breath work or do something. Because what happens is, is when you um, start a practice and start developing, developing a practice every day, you start to quiet your mind. And when you quiet your mind, your soul will speak. You can hear the answers. You can hear how much of yes and how much of no. You can hear when to stop and when to go. You can hear everything that you need in order to move you through the day Mm -hmm. with the energy of being rather than the energy of doing. Okay. So you're becoming more in tune with your own thoughts. Absolutely. It's almost like taking a shower. You know, if you didn't take a shower for a month, you'd be, your hair would be oily and greasy. There'd be grime under your fingernails. You'd probably smell. That's the same thing as not having a mindfulness practice, Mm -hmm. right? So, so, but, but what happens is when mindfulness comes in, it's like taking a mental shower. And so the thoughts slow down. So you're able to hear what's true for you, not just what's been conditioned or what society says or what this family, your family does or what this work, you're able to start to know yourself and what is true for you. That way there's this, when you start getting quiet, you're able to 
the being, like you're not just a human doer, you're a human being, that starts to come out and you start to realize like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I saying yes to this? Is it a high quality yes? Is it really yes or is it no? You know, and you really start to bring more meaning into your life. And with that meaning, um, that's where the juice is because you're doing the things that you want to do. You're not just working on autopilot anymore. You're not just doing things because you should or somebody told you to or you never really thought about it before mm-hmm. or you didn't think you had an option, whatever it is, right? So slowing down the mind by creating, by having a practice really turns up the volume on your intuition and it gives you a roadmap. We live in such a busy world that uh, many of us spend a lot of time, I believe, in autopilot, running around, getting things done. What are some of the links between mindfulness and well-being? Some of the benefits? Yes. Some of the benefits are reduced anxiety, depression, Um, Those are huge. Also to being in tune with your body, I think is huge. You'll know, oh, am I just eating because it's dinner time or because it's free or because somebody paid for it or because I'm supposed to or am I eating because I'm hungry? Am I eating what my body is wanting to be nourished with or am I just eating because it's in front of me? Health is huge and it, it really helps with health. You understand your body in a different way and you understand your thoughts in a different way in terms of anxiety or depression. Anxiety is typically in the future. You're in the future. What if this happens? And depression is in the past. Oh, that happened and I'm still not over it. So it allows you to stay in the present moment where there's no stress, where there's just isness, where there's just acceptance, where there's being without trying to have to control all of it. So it really works on every level, mind, body, and soul. One of the things I enjoy doing is reviewing and recommending wellbeing-related books. An excellent book that ties in well with the topic of mindfulness is Johan Hari's Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. In his book, Hari elegantly synthesizes all the best research and detailed discussions with experts about depression and anxiety. He examines their various causes, all of which relate in some way to disconnection. For example, disconnection from other people, so loneliness, and disconnection from meaningful values replaced with what he terms junk values. Harry then looks at some different and successful treatments for depression and anxiety and proposes some solutions. I highly recommend this book. I will put a link in the show notes to my review of Lost Connections, where you can also purchase the book if you wish. Do you have some advice for people starting out with meditation? What's a simple way to get started? I would say a simple way to get started is try an app or maybe a guided meditation Mm -hmm. on YouTube. Do what speaks to you. There's not one way to do it. It could be guided. It could be slow music in the background. It could be no music at all. I would say just get started. Do what speaks to you and allow your practice to develop and change. Maybe, you know, you do that for two months and you don't want to do any more guided and you just want something more quiet. Allow it the ebbs and flows of the practice to come. It's not about judging it. It's about just being able to bring yourself there. That's really what it's about. And there's no right or wrong way to meditate. It's a very personal 
experience, I believe. For people, um, and I include myself in this, who have been meditating for a while, one of the things I struggle with is how to maintain a consistent practice. I'll go through periods where I'll meditate every day and then it drops off. I feel like I need to start again and sometimes I struggle a bit. So do you have any tips on how to maintain a consistent practice? Absolutely. And that happened to me for many, many years. I'd go on and then I'd fall off Mm. and go on again and fall off. So totally normal. But I did find something that changed it. So I'd like to share that with you. I started to, um, I have just a sheet of paper on my night table, you know, stuck to the side of my night table here. And it has just a chart of my practice, yoga, meditation, prayer, breath work, and, um, and it has a few other personal things mm-hmm. that I put on it. And I, and every night before I go to bed, I just fill out how much, how many minutes of meditation did I do? How many minutes, how many, did I do a prayer tonight? Did I write a gratitude list tonight? What, yeah. One page. Yes. Okay. 15 minutes of meditation. Fine. And so when, so it doesn't, because I'm writing it down, it doesn't let me sway too far because when I put a zero for meditation or for yoga, I'm very aware of it. And so I don't go so far because typically what would happen to me is, and I started to see this when I, when I was on my practice, I was feeling good. I was in a good space. I would work. Things had flow. There was ease. You know, it just, I was in a good vibe. Everything was good. When I would be off my practice and do no practice or, you know, here and there, Mm -hmm. things would get loud on the outside. There wouldn't be as much flow. There'd be a problem here, an issue here. I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling comfortable. It, and then what happens is life circumstances would give me enough suffering, pain, issues, whatever. Because what draws you back to that pain and suffering? Yes. And it would bring me back to my practice that oh, I need to just zen out, or I just mm-hmm. need to like let this go, or I just need. So there would be something. So rather than, and I went through that so many times. Right now, I have my list, and I keep my list, and I just write whatever I did every day. That way, my life doesn't get too loud on the outside because yeah. everything for me ends up bringing it back to myself because I'm the common denominator in my life. Yes, right. And so when things are getting very loud on the outside, right. That's a great um, piece of advice. It, you're keeping yourself accountable, but also you're not really judging yourself. You're just noticing what you've done. Um, I really like that. I'm actually going to try that. It's <laughs> game been, changing. Yeah, I've been really good with meditation in the last six months. I've been managing to do it every day. But sometimes I have to admit it feels a bit like a chore and I don't think that's the right headspace for meditation. I'm like, oh, I have to meditate now. You know. <laughs> so. And you're right. And sometimes that happens with me too. But as long as I'm writing a zero for meditation, then, then I'm aware of it. And mm. 90% of the solution is observation. So I'm observing yes. it. I'm writing it down. And also too, sometimes that tells me too, you know, I've w- woken up before and I'm like, oh, I don't want to meditate. Like I know I just don't feel it, which is fine. And I'll go do something. And then around two o'clock it'll come and I'm like, I need to meditate. And then it's time. So I trust it. So I, it's not about if it happens right in the morning, I allow myself 
but I, but I also have the piece of paper. So it, I don't get too far Yes, where I can't remember what I did last week or what's happening with it or whatever. It's become such a part of life and just having the piece of paper will really keep you on track and noticing and aware. Mm. I really like the way you said just before that you trust it. And that shows, I think, that if you've practiced for a while, you really appreciate the benefits of meditation. And so that's another thing that motivates you to do it, I think. You think, I know if I do it, it will help. I will feel calmer. That's another reason to develop a consistent practice. So you trust what meditation can do for you. On your website, you say meditation and mindfulness can help with creativity and problem solving. So can you tell us a bit about how that works? So inside there are instructions for you, only for you, that only you can access. And only you know your hopes and dreams. Only you know uh, where your creativity lies. Only you know how to access it. Only you have the power to do that inside of you mindfulness gives you the as you start to quiet the mind the soul speaks you will get these silent awakenings let's call them mm -hmm. where all of a sudden you've left something because there's an issue or you know a creative solution needs to be had and you leave it and you be with it and th these will start to spring up as you have your as you go along with your practice every day you will start to notice that um, the answers are in front of you, but your mind sometimes thinks that you need to control and figure it all out. And in that second, but inside, as you give it space and as you practice, it will show you the answers. It will show you, um, um, what you were seeking. What's, what's, mm. what fulfillment, what idea wants to come, what book wants to be written, what house wants to be designed, what it will tell you all of those things. And I think, you know, I, you know, I think sometimes we just go out and fix and sometimes it can be more of a problem. And I'm saying, yes, you know, do your part, listen, observe, see what's happening. But there's other, there's another part where I think with creative solutions, you have to be able to step back, non-attach, and be able to be with it and know that from there, um, solutions do come to, to. So you're saying that the solutions are already inside of us, like it's a knowledge that our, our soul or our body has, and we just need to take the time to, to find it, to listen. Exactly. Because you can't see the solution in that moment mm -hmm. because you're too attached and your mind's in it. And sometimes that happens, but when you step back and you give it space, you'll be able to hear, you know what, walk away. That's not for you. You'll be able to hear, you know what, maybe call that person to see if they can help support this solution here. What about this? And you start coming up with these brainstorm and these creative ideas start to, and the more you, you know, you develop a practice, the more you're able to tap into that wealth of awareness that's inside and you can bring it with you throughout the day. We all have a wisdom inside of us. We just need to take the time to to understand it and appreciate it and let go of everything that obscures it. Silence um, is definitely loaded with answers. It has everything. It is the best teacher. 
in, in, in my eyes. It's, it's absolutely one of the best teachers. Um, and so the more you quiet, the more you'll hear. We were talking about um, creativity and problem solving. I was just curious, do you think everybody has or everyone is creative in some way? I absolutely think everybody is creative in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the way you dress, whether it's your how you style the home, whether it's um, anything. If you look into the world here, every single thing that you see that is man-made came from a thought. Mm. That was a thought in someone's mind. And then they started to speak about it and then they started to act on it and then it came to life. And if you think of, look at all the different things that are in this world, everybody is born with creativity. I think creativity and soul are one in the same. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that everybody is creative. The thing that's so lovely about creativity, I think, is that it can manifest in so many different ways. As you say, it could be in the way someone puts their their outfits together. It, it could be someone who's a musician. It could be an author. Um, there are so many ways people can be creative. And that can even be in the business world. You can be creative yeah. with your creative solutions or your numbers or ideas. It doesn't literally have to be a painting. That's right. I mean, even it might sound a bit counterintuitive, but even people like accountants can be creative, as you say, in problem solving. Absolutely. There's creativity. I think, you know, people initially just think, oh, creativity, it's an artist or, yes. you know, you're either an artist or you're not that type of thing. But there's, but there's creativity in, in all different ways, shapes and forms. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize that because, as we were saying, it is good for the soul to to express your creativity, no matter um, which avenue you choose to do that. While we're talking about creativity, Pam, you have alluded to your book, The Language of the Soul, Mindfulness from A to Z, Your Roadmap Within. So can you tell us, first of all, why you decided to write the book? And then what is it about? Let me step back a little bit. I was in you know, my business and I was enjoying it, uh, the balance between work and home. And then I, um, I had a health challenge come my way. And when I was in bed for a long while, not knowing what was happening, slowly, as I started to quiet, as I started to practice, I felt called to write a book. I had never written a book. I didn't ever consider myself a writer. I didn't consider myself an author. I was very type A personality. I, you know, I kind of had the spreadsheet of where, what I was going to do for the next 10 years. I kind of had it laid out. And then, you know, there was definitely a twist and a turn there. And I felt drawn to write. Um, and as I practiced and I had some practice, I would, I didn't know what to write, but I would just start writing something. I remember the first day I actually wrote down just a paragraph I liked from a book just mm -hmm. to get myself writing. I just didn't know what else to do. And then slowly I'd be up at three or four in the morning, something would wake me up and I would just start writing. And I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what it was about. I wasn't going to tell anybody. I didn't think anything about it. I, I, and I really didn't think I had any business writing a book, to be honest with you, because I thought, no, I'm an entrepreneur. 
but it really showed me that I was much more than that Mm -hmm. and that life had a whole different set of plans for me, which I'm grateful for now. So as I started to write, you know, life kind of supported me. It was the easiest process in the sense of like, you know, my husband came home one day, he's like, I bought you a laptop. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, that now I have to write, like, I really have to get this going or an editor that I really admire. um, We came to connect and he edited my book and, and it was the easiest thing where the universe supported Mm -hmm. me. I think the hardest part was getting my mind out of the way. Allowing yourself to inhabit that space of being a writer rather than saying to yourself, I'm not a writer. Is that what you mean? Mm. Exactly. I really had to let go of my identification. I am not a writer. I am this person. And as time went on, I started to see that um, there was a plethora of things that wanted to happen and words that wanted to get written. And as I, you know, the book is is the outcome for sure. But I think what happened is as you start to write – and you start to see yourself on paper. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you can see the amount of judgment. Oh, my paragraph is, you know, or my, I have a run on sentence or my spelling was off on that word or whatever. And as that happens, you can see the amount of judgment. You can see how comfortable you are with the self. And this, uh, this gave me a lot of self-acceptance. Because if you ever hear yourself sometimes or see yourself in a picture or write, it can feel uncomfortable, yeah. but that level of acceptance was really and becoming more of who I was and um, creating this, this accepting this part of me that was always there was really for me the transformational part. The book, I loved it. This, but this was secondary. It was really the cathartic process that happens of self transformation mm-hmm. as you begin to write or. Um, do what your soul is asking you to do, yeah. whether that's, you know, play an instrument or build a home or take a, a lesson or whatever it is mm-hmm. for you. And so from there, um, the book started to come. So the book, sp- uh, the book is about mindfulness from A to Z. So every ch- so there's 26 short chapters. Um, a would be for awakening. I'll just give you a small synopsis, yeah, which is please. what's happening right now in the world. We're all going through an awakening of sorts, right? Some things touched us, yeah. all of us, and it's definitely got our attention and nothing we do can fix it. So it goes into chapter B from there and says, okay, we're human beings, not human doers. And so what does that mean? And how do I incorporate more of the being Mm -hmm. rather than just the doing in life? And so you can see that right now, exactly what's happening right now. It's giving us a lot more being rather than doing. And who am I without just my titles? You know, who am I when I don't have that, um, you know, success or as much money or my health can be touched really, you know, it's bringing everybody on the same level. Yeah. And then it goes into C for calling. Why am I here? What is, what am, what do I truly feel passionate about? Do I love what I'm doing? Like, so can I dip my toe and take, you know, 2% for myself and start to write or start to take that class or, or start to paint or start to whatever it is for mm-hmm. you. And it goes all the way down Y for yoga and Z for Zen. So it has 26 different ways for you to become breed awareness. 
What what's you? What did you do for the letter U? U is use me, which is basically a, a understanding service. Oh, understanding. That's yeah. Yeah, that's also can be very um uh, very cathartic to the soul as well, knowing that you are here for a divine purpose and knowing um, that um, you can help and can make a difference and understanding the power of service to others. What about X? X, I did, X, X is extra self-love. Because yeah, that's a tricky one. <laughs> it is, it is. X is extra self-love because you can't, you can't do anything in this world if you're struggling with yourself, if you're not compassionate with yourself, if you're hard on yourself, if you're judging yourself, if you're everybody needs an extra dose of that. Yes. One thing you said that really struck me was that at the moment with the coronavirus pandemic, it's a time in, um, in our lives where every human is facing in one way or another the same thing. I mean, humans face the same things a lot of the time, but we're not really aware of it. But now the whole world is in one way or another facing this problem. And so you feel this sense of connection, I think, with people in other countries. You know, it's on the news all the time and you think, how is that country dealing with it? How are those people um, responding? Are they okay? So no matter where you come from, where you live, what your station in life is, we're all affected by it. Exactly. It's, it really it unifies us. It does. I mean, there are, still are some inequalities. For example, if you're in Australia, we have a very, and Canada as well, have a, an excellent health system. You're likely to be very well looked after, whereas in some countries, unfortunately, people don't have access to that. So it does highlight inequalities, but it also shows us that we're all human and we all have the same fears and preoccupations. It does. And I think it also can ha can give you an opportunity to say, okay, um, you know, to take away maybe some external power, like external success, money or position or status, those all went away and we all kind of became unified. Doesn't matter how much money or success or who you are, or whatever, health is health. Yeah. And I think it gave us like it can give you the opportunity as well to really um, lean on authentic power within, which is awareness, mm -hmm. which is building mindfulness where it's like, you know, because this, you know, there's three challenges in life, health, finances, and relationships. Okay. So those are the big three. And if you can learn how to be resilient with those three, because this will not be the first, maybe it might not happen again but this won't be the first challenge or the last challenge in your life. But through mindfulness, it gives you the authentic power to be able to flow through life yes. when money sometimes can't get you out of the situation or success can get you out of the situation or the amount of friends or the stature or whatever it is for you that you lean on externally can get you out of the situation. But mindfulness gives you the power to uh, be able to flow with life and be able to. So once something comes again, you don't get hit as hard. You yeah. understand that even if these three things shift in my life, you still are connected to, to yourself, mm -hmm. to who you really are. And I think 
yes, it's important to go and see and do and achieve 100%. But I think on the other hand, you you have to also be able to be with yourself, slow down, close your eyes. Um, So I I think just a little bit of balance of both is is important. Definitely. I think a balance is really important. Um, One without the other leads to a lopsided and possibly unhappy life. So Pamela, who inspires you? My children inspire me. You know, just everyday people doing what they do inspires me. In this time, having a smile on their face or saying hello to somebody, that inspires me to feel the world is good, to feel that we're all alike, we're all one. My final question, Pamela, that I like to ask all my guests if you could recommend two things that all people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? I would, I would definitely say pick something that speaks to you, a practice that speaks to you, whether it's journaling, a gratitude list, meditation, prayer, whatever it is for you, mm-hmm. pick something um, and do that every day, you know, 15 minutes every day. And um, I would definitely say put it on the list, you know, have that little list because that way, you know, you'll never go so far. And when you stay connected to yourself, you can never go so far off track. It'll never put you that you, that you're, you know, in the dark because it'll always keep you in the middle way, in the middle path. And you won't go so extreme in your life and you'll always have that middle way because you're deeply connected to yourself. So it won't let you go so far in the day off kilter. So I would say definitely pick a practice, one of those mindfulness techniques, and definitely write it down every night what what you did for your own well-being. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Pamela, if people would like to connect with you or look at your website, um, what's the best way for them to do that? If they want to, I'm on Instagram at Pamela Cimenti 88, or if they'd like to go to the website at the mindfulnessgroup.ca uh, and they can buy the language of the soul um, on Amazon worldwide, okay. um, or they can, or the link is in my bio um, on my Instagram where the, my, they, I have my email and you can always connect with me there. Excellent. If you'd like to deepen your practice or move through something. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. So Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Great discussion. And that was the lovely Pamela Cimenti, founder of The Mindfulness Group. Thank you for listening today. I hope you found today's interview interesting or inspiring. And if you did, please share the podcast and tell your friends about it. If you would like to subscribe to my podcast, Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, there are many ways you can do that. For example, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. I'll put links in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. Please do feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed, and I will do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money, and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution, you can do so via Patreon or PayPal. Check out the Contribute page on my website. You can also support me by purchasing a book from the Books page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. 
It helps people find the podcast and it helps me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.